Welcome to the Kitchen Sink meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Please note, we will be holding this meeting via Zoom for the foreseeable future. If you'd like to attend the meeting live, go to oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. My name is David Martel. I am a grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater. And as you can see from my backdrop, uh, I'm on the border of, uh, I'm, I'm not in Venice. I'm actually a couple blocks away from Venice, Santa Monica, a little area called Mar Vista Hill, California. Uh, it's in Los Angeles. I'm a native, born and raised, got a lot of history here, family history. Um, I'm a little tense and tight, and I was told when, I, when I'm nervous uh, to do an exercise, and I want everybody to do it with me. Uh, it's to breathe in uh, our concept of higher power, God, universe. And then exhale the fear, small F-E-A-R. So let's all try to do it together. One, two, three. Breathe in, God. (sighs) Nope. Didn't fucking work. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. But I followed direction. And I see some smiling faces. And that's what worked. You know, I take the program seriously. I don't take myself too seriously as an old-timer in AA taught me. Uh, if I can't learn to laugh at myself, I'm missing the biggest joke of my life. So uh, I'm a compulsive overeater, and um, I grew up uh, in the, the San Fernando Valley, which is a good enough reason to get loaded with anything. No offense. Uh, but I'm a free man now, and I can go anywhere, including the valley. Uh, I'm a product of a bitter, angry divorce. Uh, my, uh, I, I was an only child my whole life. was my whole story uh, up until... Uh, Three months ago, I found out I had a uh, half-sister, and uh, it was given up for adoption six years before I was born. Uh, that was a product. Uh, I would have never found out about my half-sister, who is a wonderful person, has three boys, and I only have three nephews. Um, and I ne- would have never found that out had I not uh, consulted with my sponsor about going back to my nutritionist, who I hadn't seen in four years, who told me to do 23andMe for health reasons, but, of course, you could find relatives. So there you go. Uh, Nothing happens in God's world by mistake. So, you know, I, I was moved this week. I want to tell you why I was moved. Um, I lost uh, someone I called my rabbi, Dr. Rabbi Abraham Tversky, and 24 years ago, uh, when I was newly sober, I sat down with him for an hour. I didn't know how special it was. And I talked about my addiction. And my first drug of choice was food. I talked about it. I talked about you know, get, you know, I was 30 days sober or whatever I was at the time. And, you know, we talked about all the different things that I did to anesthetize myself. And food was the first drug of choice. Maybe fantasy was. Who knows? But checking out, not wanting to feel, not wanting to be in reality, not wanting to be in this body, uncomfortable in my skin, doing everything, everything to stuff myself with something to anesthetize myself. And... um and I did that. I really did a first step with him. And, uh, and he died of COVID, 90 years old. And um, his brother did a, a, talked about him, you know, on Zoom. And my friend Mark and I were both watching, and, and we both, you know, had, had uh, screaming mothers growing up. And, and the brother talked about the pain of, you know, the childhood that carries with you for the rest of your life. And, and I'll tell you, in two minutes, it moved me. It moved me so much. It moved me more than I've moved, been moved in my therapy session for the last year. Because as a child, 
you know, I felt alone. I felt disconnected. I felt abandoned. I had all these feelings, and I didn't know what to do with them. So I ate. I ate. I ate whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, however I wanted. And, um, you know, ultimately, I, I, I mean, I was a husky kid. I was a fat kid. I was picked on. Uh, I didn't feel like I connected to anybody. My mom had five brothers and sisters. They lived on this side of the hill, we call it, uh, Pico Robertson, the Jewish neighborhood. And um, I would go to high holidays at Aunt Gloria and Uncle Ray's, and all her five brothers and sisters were married with at least two or three kids. I felt different. I, felt, I, I, I didn't feel unique or special. I felt different, and I felt alone, but I felt connected with my cousins. They were like my brothers and sisters. And I always felt depressed leaving, you know. And I didn't eat compulsively when I was at Uncle Ray's and Aunt Gloria's because I was with my cousins. I felt connected. But when I was home and I was alone and I was a latchkey textbook, latchkey kid, the refrigerator, you know, um, the commercials back in the day, kids, there was no pausing, no luxury of pausing TV like you have now, you spoiled children, brats today. We had to run to the refrigerator because we had only an X amount of time for the commercials and, and get what I needed to get, Captain Crunch, you name it. So I always, I was anesthetizing when I was alone for the, putting out the, the pain of being alone, which made me feel more lonely. And therein lies the trap, the spiral down. I'm trying to solve a problem that creates my problem, that perpetuates my problem. And that's the disease that I've learned. So I did geographics. Going, oh, by the way, I, I was a Husky kid, uh, and um, my mother at 13, I was 13 years old, 1978, she took me to a, a, a meeting, uh, an Overeaters Anonymous meeting. Well, she didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was. We walked in. Six obese ladies, they're looking at us. We came in late. We're looking at them. What are we doing here? My mom's been trying to lose her five, ten pounds for the last 80 years, so she's, you know, got her issues. But um, anyways, um, uh, that was my first experience. I wasn't done or ready yet. Um, I, I shared 24 years ago. I found the rooms of the 12-step program through Cocaine Anonymous, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, and I went to... A year into my sobriety, I went to a different, uh, I call it the orthodox, you know, modern orthodox uh, program, you know, where you weigh a measure, nothing in between, yada, yada, yada. I did that for 45 days. I bounced out right back into ice cream. And, um, and I just thought, oh, I'm cool. I'm sober. You know, I know I qualified as a food addict. And I kept coming back to you guys for 20 years I kept coming back I mean how could I be a food addict it's just food it's no big deal it's everywhere I mean yeah sure I, I could live without cocaine I could live without alcohol I could live without nicotine God, you know I'm 17 years nicotine free but how do you live without food I had no sponsor I'm doing it my way I think I know what's right for my abstinence 
And then finally, uh, you know, I found this meeting in the valley, this, you know, group of guys, and, and I learned about clarity. I learned about clarity. I, I learned about not making decisions on my own, living in consultation. They're no longer my home group, but I still keep a lot of what I learned there. And really, I, I've taken a lot what I've learned in the, the, the Alcoholics Anonymous and all the other 12-step fellowships. I really consider I have one 12-step program. Torsky, as I mentioned, I read his his book. I don't want to say it on the recording, but you know, because it wouldn't be appropriate. But it's a daily reader, and he says that it's one program. When I pray and meditate, like I did this morning. I do it every day. I get to God before my head gets to me every single day. I fail to plan, plan to fail. I've got to set my day up or my day sets me up. When I do that, I don't do it four different times for Cocaine Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, Overeaters Anonymous, Nicotine Anonymous. I don't do it four different times. It's one food processor, as he calls it, one KitchenAid motor, and then there's different attachments. This is the OA attachment. This is the fellowship. I need this. This is singleness of purpose. I am a food addict. I will, my, my, my nutritionist five years ago said, I want you to introduce raw nuts to your diet. No problem. I went out and bought a pound of raw cashews, and uh, I took them down in about a day or two. You get what I'm saying? I have no control. And now I have a way to define clarity, you know. By the way, my food plan and program will get you loaded and drunk. I've learned that around here. And vice versa. But I live in consultation. I don't make any decisions without consulting first my sponsor. Hey, this is what's going on. Um, I'm maintaining a 80-pound uh, weight loss for my top weight and about 55 since I came back to you guys. On I have a sobriety date. It's June 13th, 18. And I don't know what happened, but that, that date I called my cousin-in-law, Joel, Works at the VA as a social worker. He's the same guy I called 24 years ago. I, I feel like this is different. I feel, and, and I, I had this spiritual awakening. I highly recommend reading Spiritual Experience in, in the back of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous um, about having a white light experience. And I had that experience, finally. I was done. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I had the gift of pitiful and comprehensible memorialization, but for 20 years I didn't. Because I was doing it my way. I was in my disease going to meetings. Of course I'm in my disease. I don't have a sponsor. I'm coming to your room for 20 years. And I don't have a sponsor. My cousin Joel told me. I've learned a lot from him. He's not in the program. But he knows the book better than most. He said. I said to him. I said. You know I'm in between sponsors. He says. Really? Let's examine that. What is a sponsor's job? And by the way, the word sponsor does not appear in the big book. It's called a guide. Same thing, and they use the term sponsor in uh, OA, or in uh, AA 12 and 12. And the sponsor's job is to guide you through the program, through the big book, the OA literature, the steps. It's a step guide. Here we can have food sponsor. We can have uh, step sponsor. We can have both. We can have a com combination. There are no rules. And... Um, and I told him, I don't have a sponsor. He says, of course you do. If, you're not, if you don't have someone guiding you that's consulting with you, then you're running your own show. I SM, the ism, I'm, I sponsor myself. Um, 
So let me, I guess I'll throw up a couple of pictures here just to show you what it was like, what happened, what it's like now. But today I'm free. I have, I have a sponsor. He's on this call. Peter W. He knows I'm a sponsee. That's important. Um, I have a, a home group. And I have a date of sobriety with food. And those are the three ingredients I learned. I learned in my other fellowship. And what I've done is, is the, the steps don't transfer. The credits don't transfer, which is the steps. And I'll, I'll just show you one before and after. I have a side-by-side here somewhere. There we go. Um, by the way, I like to do geographics. I went in the military. Is it geographic? Right? Changing, trying changing people, places, and things. If you have a problem with authority figures, I don't recommend that as well. Talk about regrets. Um, I have a lot of regrets, business decisions. My first bad business decision in life was not getting bar mitzvahed. That wasn't good. I left six months before the uh, before the bar mitzvah. I, I quit or I was thrown out of Hebrew school. I can't remember. But the bottom line is, is I, I want to talk about solution. Is I, I got sober with food on six thirteen eighteen, and as it says in the, the uh, step six in the AA 12 and 12, there's a paragraph in there that says, remember, the only thing that we do perfectly 100% is the first step. And I would venture to say the first half of the first step. That's right here. The first half of the first is the food. And I need to get clarity on that. And, and I have a black and white abstinence, just like I do with nicotine, drugs, and alcohol. Because those programs work, and, I need, and, and that... My experience can transfer over. As I said, the, the steps don't transfer. The credits don't transfer. When I was 100, uh, 12 years sober, I was 150 grand in debt. My dad was dying. I was suicidally depressed. I was driving a fancy German car that was more expensive lease than my, my apartment. And I was, I was suicidal. And the steps I did it 10 years earlier in AA did not count. In AA, 12 years later. And I asked a guy to take me through the steps. He had less time than me, a working knowledge of the book. Humility. I needed to get humble. And that transformed my life. But I still medicated with food. I still anesthetize with food. I'm an anesthetizer. These are pain relievers. I want to kill the pain. Anything but the steps. Is there a timer? Did I? Where are we at? You have exactly five minutes this very moment. Good timing. Oh, good. So I've gone 15, Vincent? You have. Excellent. Thank you for being in service. Um, So I was still killing the pain with food. Trying to do it my way. I even trained and hiked the Grand Canyon. Rim to rim. Not too many people have done this. In one shot. With 30 specimens of nature, like unbelievable. He's like pro athletes and trainers and stuff, but I committed to doing it. I was focused. You know, I've had trainers, I've had nutritionists, I've tried everything, you know, diet, exercise. But I have an absence. I have an absence today. I don't need to do all that. I have clarity and sanity with food. Fail to plan, plan to fail. Before I go to a wedding or 
when there was weddings, although I did I did go uh, in the summer, you know, I, I, I go into it with, okay, set myself up to win. But I wanted to share about the steps because I've had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. And, and again, the credits don't transfer. The steps that I, I, I did in one fellowship don't count 10 years later in the same fellowship. So certainly don't count over here. And what happened was I put down the food, 6, 13, 18, and I, of course, did not pick up the book and the steps right away. And I was losing weight, or I was giving it away, as we like to say around here. And for every pound of weight that I gave away, 10 pounds of rage would come up. I was very angry. I had so much anger. I had no idea how much anger there was in me. And I fired a first sponsor, and then the second, and just having trouble with the home group, and, and I left there, and then I got this wonderful guy, wonderful, salt of the earth guy, Jack Saul, Jack S. He uses his last name. I don't know if he's on the call, but I love this guy. And I drove him fucking crazy. He is a sweetheart of a guy. And only a guy like me could drive a guy like that nuts. Because I'm out of my mind. I'm angry. But I was getting through the book, the OA literature, the OA 12 and 12, one paragraph at a time. I was writing out my inventory. And we, we could only find a sliver of time. It was actually after this meeting to meet. Because I chose my job and work. I put that in front of the program. And it was frustrating getting through a fifth step. Not because of him, because of me. I take responsibility, which is the fourth column of the fourth step, which is the magic. If, the, if resentment is the number one offender, as it says in the big book, then the number one solution to my experience is the fourth column of the fourth step, is to take responsibility for what I created. So what happened was um, Jack and I parted ways. And I asked, uh, I, ha- I, ha- I-, I-, I left my job, my company, not under good conditions. It's a legal situation now, I'll just leave it at that. And that was a year ago. I left my sponsor, uh, AA sponsor, because it was just a hello and it wasn't a working relationship. And, and it was cool because he-, he had mentioned that up front. But we had been together for a few years. And I got, I, I went and spoke on a retreat, a men's, a men's retreat, on step four and five. People asked me to speak. By the way, my pitch, as a Canadian speaker, I heard at a convention once say, my pitch is much better than my program. <laughs> I'm sharing my truth and my ideal. I have a mechanical working knowledge of the steps in the book. And the, way, the reason I have sponsees is, is, you know, I keep going through the steps is, is so I stay fresh. And I learn so much more. From them than I do from my, you know, from anything else. It's 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 a gift. Um, but I had asked him. I asked I asked Matthew. You know, he was speaking. He was there at the retreat. He was my old sponsor 20 years earlier. We never even got through the fourth step. I ran at the fourth step. I was new. And I I did the steps. I had the inventory done. I did for Jack. We had touched. A, did a little bit of the fifth on it and. I felt like such a fraud. Here I am speaking on step four and five, and I'm not even doing the step. I'm not even doing step five. And they asked me to speak at this retreat. 
and, and I'll wrap it up with this, that I asked Matthew, again, humility, I, I said, hey, will you hear my fifth step? And, and I drove in the height of the pandemic, the very first few weeks when we were all on lockdown. There was no traffic anywhere. I drove from L.A. to Santa Paula. It's near Ojai, where he lived, an hour drive, early on a Sunday morning. And five and a half hours later, after we meditated, and I, did, I dropped off my step five. I felt free. I felt freer than I felt in a long time. And I drove back on the PCH, the long way, the scenic route. It was sunny. There was kite surfers. And I took a video, and I posted it on Facebook. And my friend Nancy, God bless her, she's the COVID policewoman. What are you doing out of your house? It's COVID. You're going to die. Ah, you know. And I told her, Nancy, she's in the program. I said, I'm on a life and death errand. And I really, really, truly believe that. The steps are the solution. Trust God, clean house, help others. The first half of the first step is the food. That's the painkiller. That's the anesthetic. We got to put that down and get clarity. I, I did. And I'm so grateful. I could talk forever about the program. I've learned so much from you guys. I hope you got something out of my little talk. And uh, thanks for letting me share. This is, a, this is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you do not need to identify yourself. If you're using a video and have a question, please raise your hand. If you're using audio, please click the raise your hand icon. And now I look for hands. Nancy B. My name is Nancy Beecham. I'm a compulsive overeater. I knocked out my video somehow. And um, I've been in Overeaters Anonymous 44 years. And Zan, I definitely know you. Um, I um, want to tell you that Jack Saul is up and alive and doing well. And I, my heart goes out to Peter now. You know. um, one of the grand things about Overeaters Anonymous is when the birthday parties have been able to have that countdown. That countdown keeps a lot of us going, especially the old-timers. And if there's 200 people in the room, there's probably 75% who have under five years. But when we get up to over 30, 35 years, there's very few. So you kept saying that your time, you know, you don't bank your time from AA. And I understand you only have a couple of years in OA. Because when I was new, we didn't get to speak or share or do anything. The AAs were our speakers until we had five or ten years. So I'm wondering, do you feel there's a crossover um, being an AA that most of your strength is coming from what you've learned there and that you've had such a great knowledge of the second and first step that when you went right into a workshop where they were talking about you know, um, body image and food and things, and it didn't bother you as much because you really had a foundation. I guess I'm asking, talk about your foundation that you got in order to work the steps and about the happy moments in your life today. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Nancy. Nothing like a uh, five-part question from Nancy B. Fantastic. Uh, It's a great question. By the way, uh, I failed to thank Mark. Thank you so much for uh, asking me to share your, your great example of the program. And I want to reemphasize, the only authority uh, for the program is the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, the AA 12 and 12, the OA 12 and 12, and all of the official literature that's on the website. So 
There are other literature that works as helps as well. So time is not rank. Uh, my time, you know, I can't stay clean on yesterday's shower, right? I can't stay satiated on yesterday's uh, hamburger if you're allowed if if you eat hamburger, <laughs> you know, in this in this room. But yeah, I mean, when so you know when when somebody relapses, right? It's I, I, you know, I, I've been sober since my first cocaine honest meeting. I relapsed constantly in, in OA. And the number one problem that I had is my thinking. I cannot think myself into right action. I can only act myself into right thinking. I learned that in AA. I learned that in the other fellowship. So I recommend going to open meetings, right, of other fellowships, when I was on a cruise ship on 9-11 with my friend Mark, he's a performer, he was a headline. We were on the ship, and guess what? There was a friend of Bill meeting, friend of Bill, any friend of Bill, any friend of Bill, because we all needed each other on that day. My time, my, my first sergeant, who was 13 years in, in the Army, he is outranked by the Butter Bar Lieutenant who just got out of college. And he's got one day in service. And the First Sergeant has 13 years of wisdom and experience. The credits don't transfer, but the experience does. And when I was new, I was invited to go bring a meeting to a guy on a Sunday night, 5 p.m., I, I think he was 500, 600 pounds. He couldn't get out of the uh, apartment. Sunday night, and my sponsor had a private meeting at his house with a lot of very high-profile people, and it was an invite-only meeting. I gave up that meeting because I knew when I was new in cocaine honest, I went and did panels. I brought meetings to people that couldn't get out to go to meetings. I do contrary action, when I do, and that's why I'm sober with food today. Because I did actions like that. I needed to take actions that were contrary to my thinking. My old neighbor just passed away, Recipes Clancy. His, his, my favorite quote of his is that we do things around here that we don't yet understand. In Hebrew, it's called na'aseh nishma. We will do, and then we will come to understand. It's all the same. Be quick to see where the religious people are right. Priest, the minister, rabbi. A lot, lot of wisdom out there. Thank you, Nancy. Next question. Uh, Ricky. Hi, thank you so much for your share. Um, when I think about OA, one of the things that repeatedly comes up for me in relationship to my activity and program is fear. Um, so when you think about um, program and progress around the fear that comes with, what is it you say, you know, take the action and hope it happens, like, you know, the whole leave it, leave the results up to your higher power thing. How do you handle that fear on a regular basis um, in order to keep moving past it? That's a great question. I mean, the old acronym, face everything and recover, F-E-A-R, or fuck everything and run. You know, I like to do the latter. As a matter of fact, that's the kind of running I like to do. It's the only exercise that this uh, addict gets. You know what I mean? They also say the disease does push-ups. Again, that's the only exercise that it's doing. So 
I am a fear-based person. I, I, I'm afraid. There's so, I, I did a fear inventory. When I did the uh, uh, resentment inventory, I only did my five-and-a-half-hour resentment inventory I dropped off with Matthew. And then he had me do a fear inventory. I had to write out my fears. I am afraid. I have a lot of fears. I'm afraid of being alone. I'm afraid of going broke. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. When I share, the, the pain gets, uh, the fear and the pain gets cut in half. When I tell someone else about it, when I share the joy, it doubles. And going back to Nancy, the, the, the joy of being Thanksgiving with 2020 with my, with my uh, half-sister and nephews, that was amazing. By the way, I can now get rid of, I have this brand new family. So I get to get rid of my old dysfunctional family, kick them to the curb, right? No, kidding. Um, so I'm afraid. So what do I need? I need God. I've got to inhale God of my understanding and exhale the fear. That was the exercise. You know, they have breath work. My friend, he's like a big breath work teacher now, John Paul. And I've done it. It's, it has a physiological effect when we do these actions. Inhale, God. <sighs> Exhale the small F-E-A-R. Capital G-O-D, capital H, capital P. When you read the spiritual experience in the back of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, Appendix 2, Appendix 3, Mark, please, you, maybe you could post it in the chat. It's official literature. It talks about willpower is small p, and higher power is capital P. That was a great question, Ricky. Thank you. Barbara. Um, first, thank you so much, David, for your share. That was, that was excellent. You talked about when you started abstaining all of the rage that came up. And could you talk a little bit about how your relationships with other people have changed in abstinence? Because mm -hmm. So many of my relationships were rage-based until I became abstinent. And can you talk about how your, if your relationships with other people, how you build relationships with other people now that the rage is not so great a factor? Great question. By the way, the rage is still there. It can come up not in a, a, a verbal sense. I don't get angry. Because I internalize, I stuff everything, you know. I have, uh, one half of my family is, my mom was born in Calcutta, uh, raised in, uh, uh, born in Rangoon, Burma, raised in Calcutta, India, and, you know, moved here. My dad is, so we're Russian, European, Ashkenazi on my dad's side. We're Baghdad, original Jews. So I got screamers on, on one side, and I got stoic on the other, you know. And so my rage comes out in my meditation. I meditate three times a day. I do two 20-minute meditations, which I picked up right after I got sober with food, summer of 18. And my rage can come out because the thoughts are allowed. Any thought is okay. By the way, speaking of fear again, I'm, not, I'm afraid right now. I'm, there's 137 people. You know, I've spoken to bigger crowds, but it's being recorded. You know, I want to do right by you guys. I'm afraid. But when I say it, it gets cut in half. So the rage... I don't, I think you said abstain from the rage. The rage is coming up as a result because I'm no longer medicating the rage, I'm no, the pain. 
And so the rage can come up. I have thoughts. I have these rageful thoughts that come up in my meditation, but they're just thoughts. And when I'm done with the meditation, I'm like, oh, thank God, you know. By the way, I do two 20-minute meditations. Brian, God bless him. I wouldn't be sober with food without him. My first friend in, in sobriety with uh, OA. He said clarity is the name of the game. And he also told me to do a three-minute meditation as part of my morning practice. I said, I'm a professional meditator. I do TM. I do it twice a day, 20 and 20. What are you talking about with a three-minute? Let me tell you, that three-minute is different. It's right out of the book. And when I do that three minutes, I set myself up because I, my mantra is, how can I be a service? How can I be a service? How can I be a service to others? How can I be a service? That's the name of the game. I get to God before my head gets to me. This, the flight attendant, right? Has it right? I got to put the oxygen mask on myself before I take care of the rest of the plane and throughout the day. I hope I answered your question. That was a great question, Barbara. I want to get to more. Thank you. Keep coming back, Judy. Um, or who's next? Vincent. Sorry, we'll get to Judy next. Vincent. Hey, David. Um, I have a question. You seem to be a very self-aware person. How do you deal with your ego, and how do you make sure that your ego does not stand in the way of your program? Oh boy. Yeah, another easy question. Oh. Some people say I'm a smart guy. I grew up hearing, David, you're, you're too smart for your own good. It wasn't until I got sober on October 4th, 1996, that I had, I realized I was too dumb to even understand what that meant that I heard my entire life. The two most, um, the two hardest things that prevent me from getting this thing is intelligence is probably one of the worst things around here. I got to get dumb and get dumb quick. I got to follow the, when I, when I follow the, the dumb book, the stupid steps, listen to my, my, my sponsor, and I do the, go to the dumb meetings, I get incredibly smart. I heard that from an old timer. EGO, ego, edging got out, you know. The ego is always going to be there. And there's a small line that I found, my experience. We don't apologize for our connection to our creator. You ever seen people who are really spiritual? And, you, and, and I've looked at them as arrogant. But when I'm spiritually fit, I see them as God-powered, higher-powered, and confident. And that's what I strive for. I want to be higher-powered. And I want confidence. I want courage. That's not ego. But there is ego that's still there. Um, it's really about the disease. The disease is the enemy. It's not the food. Food was not my problem. Food was my solution. The enemy is the disease. It's from within. Great question. Uh, Judy. Fab, fabulous. Thank you so much. I got a great deal out of this as a triple winner and and dealing with all of these issues. So thanks a lot. Um, you know, I, I hear a lot from a lot of AA people know they need OA, and then they argue about, well, if God's in charge, and then you mentioned failing to plan is planning to fail. For me, the OA program is graduate school because we have to make friends with our substance, and we have to use all that moderation and blah, blah, blah. How uh, how do you negotiate or welcome these people in who say, how come I can't just turn it over to God? 
Okay, great question. So I'm very involved in in in, in uh, this fellowship and the other fellowship as well, the beverage program. As you guys here like to call it. Um, when I gave away the weight, and this is part of my problem, people are saying, "Holy cow!" My friend Brooks on there. Oh my God, you look fantastic. And I say, looks aren't everything. You know, that's my my joke, right? Looks aren't everything. Because inside, I'm a mess still. I'm giving away the weight, but I'm a mess. I have a living problem. I need to live life on life's terms. You know, it's not about not getting loaded with food. It's how do I live my life without using food? So I had a lot of, I have an attraction. A lot of guys, hey. Oh my God! What do you do? And I share about ovaries honest. You know, the, I go to men's stags in AA, and it's like, yeah, I, I say I'm going to uh, ovaries anonymous, or as I like to call it, my women's stag. You know, lighten up, Milton. Rest in peace. We we did gave us out at a comedy show where we were selling LTFU. We got to lighten the fuck up, and here it has double meaning. So I get a lot of guys I sponsored. They come in. I t- I tell them, let's start out. What do we eat? What do we eat? I said, well, why don't we start out with the internationally renowned food program, food plan. Internationally renowned. It's called breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And maybe you need a snack or two to bridge you between, so you don't fast, you know. Nobody died between breakfast and lunch. So they fall out. They, they come. They go. They, I'm sponsored. You know, that's my, I'm going to close with this. I'm out of time. My, my grand sponsor in AA, he, he said, uh, Bill C., he said, we, we got to give it away. Right? The expression is, we got to give it away. Uh, we can't keep it unless we give it away. You guys heard that? We can't keep it. And he said something. That's why I keep coming back to meetings. He said something a couple months ago. He spoke for me. He says, we got to give it away to get it. And I'm going to tell you the number one tool. And I'm going to close with this. And I have a picture of it. And I was here uh, when my friend Mark was, uh, we were on tour with him in Cleveland. Uh, comedian. I, I hang out with comedians. It keeps me off of Prozac. Um, it's really, it's a good thing to do. I'm not saying to give it up, uh, the, the medication, but funny people are fun to hang out with. And I have this picture, and it's the original, this is the original picture of the phone at the Mayflower Hotel. It's a replica now. If you're new, I want to close with this. This is the number one tool. Bill Wilson, want to go to the bar, and the party was there, the disease was telling him to go to the bar. But his innermost self, he was six months sober, he was an out-of-towner, and he picked up the phone. And he called the church of decree, and like a good salesman, which I am, he called nine or ten, and he got nothing, and then he, and that's how he got connected to Dr. Bob. So pick up the phone. I love you guys. I love my life. This is the best deal in town. Keep coming back one day at a time, and uh, thanks for letting me be a service.